T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Bye-bye. Oh, Tripping. I'm out of here anyway. We there. I am off for the next few days. Tomorrow, you've got a treat in store for you. Layla Rahimi and Gabe Ramirez are going to host the show, and uh, I think it's going to be a blast. So make sure that you tune in, because I I can't wait for you to hear it. It's just going to be fun. Those two are smart and fun, and it will be a lot of fun stuff between talking about Cubs and White Sox and the NBA Finals. Gabe's a huge basketball head, so there'll be plenty for them to discuss, and they'll be holding it down. And I'll be back next week at some point. Parkers and Spiegel are going to be here from now until infinity. Hello, boys. Sup? What up, Lawrence? Sup? Today's the day. Today is the today's di- the day for. Oh, I'm going to tell you what the day is, Lawrence. One okay. of my, the fa- your favorite stories that I ever uh, told you about NFL schedule. No, no, that's a great day. Uh, it's not. I, I remember how much you loved when I told you the details of John Elway fumbling the bag. Oh, oh my God! Right? That is oh. Today's the day because we 4. now point six billion dollars. We now get the. This is the final chapter in the bag fumbling story. So, for anyone who does not remember, John Elway when he retired was offered the opportunity. To buy 20%, 20% of the Broncos for $36 million. <laughs> and he had the opportunity in that 20% to have right of first purchase if the Bolin family ever sold the rest of the team, which their trust today reportedly say, uh, sold for $4.65 billion. But even if John Elway would have not taken the opportunity to buy the remaining 80% of the team, the $36 million invested for 20% of the team in 1998 at the current sale price today of $4.65 billion, $930 million. So he could have turned 36 into 930 But he took five in cash. Yeah. So, you know. Well, so, yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, there is How that. do you feel like your deal? I mean, I know he's a Hall of Famer, top 10 quarterback all time, very rich. He's done well in business otherwise. Don't you has, fe- Super, has Super Bowl wins. Don't you feel like on the day that you know officially that the investment's worth, that you, you missed out on the, the billion dollars? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't you feel I, like it hurts? 
I would imagine that understanding that there was a billion dollars in front of you and you didn't get it probably cuts deeper than we can even imagine. I would think so, too. This is where I want to say something about happiness and life. <laughs> right. And what it's really about. I, I don't know, Speeds. I, 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 like, I don't think Pollyanna's going to work on this one. Well, let me just, just keep talking about Pollyanna and see if she shows up. It's a person, right? I forget. Um, but yeah, I want to say something about happiness and priorities. But I, I too, would enjoy not having bank accounts to worry about. We all do. I hate it. Isn't it just the worst when you let yourself think about some of the things in, in your life that you can't quite control, that you want to be better? I'm sure John Elway has some things that he'd like to be better, and $930 million might help that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. And, and being part of the most exclusive club in the world. What the the billionaires club the 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 owning the NFL the team club yeah yeah uh well because and and that's the thing like I you're right Lars I I wonder if he's thinking about man what my twenty percent would be worth if I would have cashed out or if he's thinking about today's the day that I would have gotten the financing to buy the other eighty percent. That's and, right. And I would now own I'd 100% now of it. Or not, he would not own 100% of an NFL team, but he'd be the majority owner and or, face of an ownership group. Or, or he used that five mil for something really important and meaningful in his life, mm-hmm. and he has long since rationalized the missed opportunity so he can put on his pants every day. <laughs> and, and continue with his existence. It's like there was that story of the crypto guy who bought like thousands of Bitcoin back in like 2010 and then forgot the password to his like encrypted wallet. And after X number of tries, it locks out and it's gone forever. And it was worth like $300 million. And the guy was like, yeah, I mean, I forgot the password, so it's gone. There's so many stories like that. <laughs> There's a story about the external hard drive. You know that story yeah, yeah. about the external hard drive that he couldn't, guy couldn't figure out a way to get back into, and he knew there was crypto on it, and then it had been thrown out, and so he was like searching the dump, literally searching every inch of a of a city dump trying to find the external hard drive. I mean, it'd be uh, worth it, right? Like, I'd if, go dumpster if, diving for three hundred million. If if, yeah. if you have the eureka moment and you find it, the three hundred million is worth it. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So this landfill, it's a twenty gig hard drive that has half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin in it in Wales. And it's a guy who mined the cryptocurrency back in twenty thirteen and somehow it got thrown away. And so he's oh. slowly going through the dump in Wales trying to find it. This this is the the zenith of the guy that has valuable comic books that he left at his parents' house and they threw away. Oh, it, it really is that. Yeah, yeah. My my dad still tells me that his mom, my nana, threw away his boxes of baseball cards that included several rookie Mickey Mantles. Several. Oh. Oh yeah. Mm. So th- th- those stories are everywhere, but that's why those cards ended up getting so valuable. Scarcity. Yes. Right. Everyone's like, "This is a piece of paper." <laughs> yeah. It's like, "Are oh, you done with this? You don't want to put this on your bicycle anymore." <laughs> right. This used to the most valuable thing in this at the time was the gum. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh... You can't trade that for anything. <laughs> You're off in college. That'd be tough. Tossed That'd be t- him.
$930 million. So that, that was the first thing that I thought of when, when I saw that final sale. I thought of poor John Elway. And then I thought, what do you think the McCaskies are thinking today? Well, I had I had this conversation. I had Yusef Khan on, and we were discussing it. So I asked him because he, you know, he he writes a lot of business stuff for his site, First and Pen. And I asked him, I said, "What are, what are the Bears worth if if the Broncos are four point six? He's like five and a half. I'll take the over. And, and I and I'm I'm like you. I'm like, what are they thinking? Because it is going to be difficult to bust up this ownership." And the and the amount of money that will end up having to be paid if if Virginia passes down her shares, it's going to it's going to be a tax nightmare. What what would be the point where, as a family, you go, you know what? Let's just push in our chips and let's just cash out this place and just and let's let's get our our five and a half billion dollars and move on to whatever we, it is that we want to do forever. Well, they're going to build a new stadium, right? In Denver, they're going to like does do the Bron- does the new Broncos owner own the stadium that Pat Bolin built or is that in any way a partnership with with the city of Denver? And I don't know the answer to that because I don't either like the Colorado Sports Authority. Right, exactly. Their version of that, like Empower Field at Mile High when they built it. It's a fun place to see a game, I know that. Is it? That place gets loud. But I mean obviously loud. the Bears the McCaskies would not even consider selling until they figure out a way to finance and build and eventually own their own stadium, correct? Or was or, or is it still attractive when they have not built the stadium yet? I think if, it's more attractive close, once they build. If they close on the parcel of land. If they've got the land. If they've got the land, I think it's more attractive because then the person or people that are buying it get to do their own thing right? a stadium. Now, that's a, good, I, that's a good point. You get to be your own Jerry Jones and make it however you want to make it. I, I think it was a... a a ridiculously shrewd move by Ted Phillips and George McCaskey to do this thing in Arlington Heights. I, I don't. I'm not saying even from a a fan comfort level because I don't think they care as much as they would tell you that they care. Mm-hmm. But taking every bit of leverage away from the city of Chicago and and having the opportunity to maybe build your own place and you don't even have to commit to that. But you know you could do it. Yeah. Once you close on that land, you know that you could do it, and there'd be people lining up to design something awesome <laughs> for them. And it just, it, to me, that move, I think, and I, I'm not a person who's really good with valuations or anything like that. I think the Arlington Heights move increased the sell, sale value of the Bears by a billion and a half dollars. I bet it did. I bet it did because you're showing – you're showing the possibilities, and wouldn't it be it'd be kind of nice to sell and get out before making the choices right or wrong on building out that thing? Since you yep. screwed up the last one so strong, you could you could get out now and let the new guy have to live with it, and you use that as a selling point. You get to do whatever you want with your stadium. Yeah, I'll take. I mean, I'll take the over on five and a half billion too. Like you go over that, yeah, man. Like, okay, it, 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 if the if the Broncos is it's it's the most expensive sale in the history of American Sport. sports. So, and Denver is 
Market 22 or something like right. that, maybe? And, we're, and it's a city that, while they're very passionate Broncos fans, it's like the only one that they're like super passionate about. I mean, they're passionate about the Avalanche. Yeah, it's just, I mean, okay. I mean, I but, get it, it's hockey. But. Right, well, it's, right, it's, it's, it's not the same number of people, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a small fan base, but a passionate fan base. Uh, and Chicago is just a different beast. Like, it, it just, so many people that are living in Denver now aren't from Denver. I would, I'd think that the Bears would get six, maybe even more. It's just, I, I think that they're probably going to see it through. Like if if they can get the financing for the land, they think that they can get the financing for the stadium. And if they can get the fi- if they can get the financing for the stadium, why sell? Well, because it's uh, we'll have to see how Virginia's doing. It was once because um, Virginia is the great unifier, and we've heard tales now for decades about not necessarily infighting, but just different ideas within a very disparate and chaotic. Dark, odd family. Oh, I mean, yeah, and, I, and about what they want inside that family wanting to cash out. Right, absolutely. If I, if, I, if I was an heir to the throne, but didn't care at all about football, my vote would be cash out. Mm. Give me my five percent of six billion dollars. Yeah, Thank you very much. Unless I'm, uh, was it Kevin McCaskey who's got the bar out in Arlington Heights? Yeah, come on, build out here, man. Yeah, yeah. My bar's gonna take off. Been looking for a way to boost that business. Yeah, need the bears. The bear, the bears would help. The bears would certainly help. But uh, yeah, that's a it's a hell of a thing. I'm gonna buy something for four point six billion dollars, and I guess be able to pay cash if they wanted to. Yep. Like you saw how rich they were. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They got some smart people along for the ride too, including Chicago's very own Melody Hobson. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. Must be nice. Uh. And what type of money is she bringing to the table? Well, her own that she that she self-made and the billions of dollars that George Lucas has. Right. To go with the billions and billions and billions that the Walton family and Walmart has. Yeah, that'll Yep. yep. Th- that will work. So the Broncos Broncos Stadium is owned by the Metropolitan Football Stadium District. Right, they don't. We were so close to getting the name right. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't technically own the land, but apparently they have a stake in the process, so they can choose what to do with development around the stadium. They is pay, what I'm reading. Okay, cool. Yeah, they pay three point two five million um, each year to rent the stadium. It's which, a good deal. Yeah, which does not seem like a lot. Really, the public uh, spent two hundred eighty-nine million dollars on that Broncos stadium. What a sweetheart deal! It'd be so cool to be the people to write the tax law in your favor. These billionaires, man! God, it's ridiculous. I hate them. Oh yeah, I mean, I hate yeah. them all. Actually, not them all. Yeah, not all, but the vast majority. A lot of it's them. not a favorable class. It's not a. It's not. It's not a likable group on the whole. If we could typecast, uh, Lawrence, you got a good vibe or a good feel on this NBA Finals? I after I've, two games. I still am going with Boston, and I know that they've pretty much only played two good quarters in in these first two games, but I'm still going with them on this. It, it's weird. I heard Bomani talking about this on Monday, and I think he's right. There's something to seeing Draymond do the I'm crazy Draymond that makes me feel like they don't think they can win it, that he's already gone to the bag of tricks of – I might be crazy, and I, I might do some crazy stuff out here when mm-hmm. I'm yelling at officials that if they're already there and we aren't seeing the best version of Clay Thompson, 
And Jordan Poole has not lived up to what he was doing in the first two rounds uh, of the of the NBA playoffs. I I still really like Boston because of their defense to win it. Well, I mean, it, it is an incredible defense, and I've been impressed with how they defend the improvisational jazz of that offense. But, man, Jordan Poole was that dude in the third quarter, and that was it. That was the knockout punch. Was was that stretch from Jordan Poole? Steph just needs one. He either needs Clay or Poole to be that explosive partner because Steph is still Steph. He's the best He's player in the series, great. clearly. He that's the thing. He is the best player in the series. He still has moves that surprise you. He's got a level of comfort that's absurd. He's got a willingness to be second fiddle to Clay for a quarter or Poole for a quarter or whatever it is. So I, I just think they need either of them to step up, and Poole did. I, I and I don't know it. Like I agree with the observation by Bomani, but I don't necessarily agree with the conclusion. Like Draymond was insane in Game Two. Like it felt like anything was in play. Like fight a fan, fight Udoka. <laughs> like like, it, it, like it, it felt like anything was in play. Manic ha- energy from the get. Yeah, it was insane. Like trash talking everybody, like like reckless abandon, but. I thought that it was reflective of the desperation of when the home team loses game one. You have to win game two. You had to win. Yeah, and, and, and but he, that, that's it, my point. Like they, you're already there, and like, well, I but, know that we're we're looking at Boston and we're going, man, you guys really bleep the bed in game two of that series. But they did their job. They took home court away and they won one on the road. Yeah, but uh, th- yes, they they did. But Boston. Is five and four at home in these playoffs. They're three and four at home in the playoffs since the first round. Like, you can win in Boston, and Golden State can win on the road. Like, the pressure is on the home team. Like, so now, like, Boston has to defend their home court. Yeah, we just saw Boston, Miami finished road, road, road. Yeah. Right? So, I, what I love about this is that, like, I thought both games, even though the, the both have been double digit games, like, crazy high level of basketball and I feel like I know less about it after two games than I did before the series started like I, I think it is wide open and, and I think that desperation you know with with Draymond's manic energy that's the way you got to play in a finals it's, I mean and, and yes like you say especially down one like well there was some stuff also like from Synergy Sports uh Rosillo was talking about this that like they can track right how fast you run, how many steps you take, how much ground you cover. And Golden State was like below their regular season average in game one of the NBA Finals. Hmm. So like they just didn't play that hard. They thought in they terms had a knockout. En- in terms of energy yeah. expended, don't you they, think they did had, not play that hard. Don't you think they thought they had a knockout punch in in that first quarter when Steph was like that? They were like, oh, we're just going to roll. Yeah, maybe. Yep. And so, so like I think it is certainly possible that yeah, they played that crazy card early, Lawrence, but like it was because the message after game one was, guys, you guys didn't play hard. You didn't play hard. This is the NBA so, Finals. So, so let's create some energy with some crazy. Right. So, 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 well, because when you tell Draymond that he didn't play hard, 
he goes insane. Like like Steph just start like runs faster to like to get off screens, right? And and Clay runs faster to get. But Draymond's like, oh, you said that I didn't play hard. Yeah. I'm gonna go 94 feet off this rebound and barrel into people. He's so he's so fun and so special. He's like he's like Rodman in in not caring about scoring, and it's good because he can't. But he's so much more skilled as a ball handler, as a playmaker, and he's. He's a more stable version of crazy on, on, on the court as well. But the thing about Steph is, like, as good as Boston's defense is and they are so connected and everything like that, their skill as individual defenders doesn't really help you that much against Steph because Steph will make you defend him with three different guys on every possession because the number of switches. Have you seen any of those breakdowns? Like, yeah. There's like five to seven switches Boston is executing on every possession, and they're good enough to make it work defensively as best they can, but there's not. they don't have three or four people who can all defend Steph, and that's why they're not. He's... Like, I don't know what the right superlative is. Like, his greatest shooter of all time honestly feels, like, reductive. He is... It is. He's, he's better than that. He's it, slippery now, too. Well, it's just... And, and the, the there's attention. something about, like, the momentum of what he does. The, and the gravity. Like, you say attention? Yeah. The, the attention, like, even yeah. when he doesn't touch the ball. You're freaked out. Like, when Marcus Smart is, like, overcompensating and picking him up 60 feet away from the basket when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Like... Now the defensive player of the year is just not paying attention to mm. the other four guys on the court. Like that's a crazy amount of attention <laughs> to to get when he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually taking this offensive possession off," but he still takes the defensive player of the year whether you thought he should have won the award or not and I did not, but like you're still taking him completely out of the play. Like that is a an amount of attention that I mean, I guess LeBron got not, because like not you would have really. to like be there to like try to keep him out of the paint at I, times, but it's just different. I mean, the first thing I think of really is Gretzky or somebody like that who's so transcendent in terms of the field and and or the ice, but spatially to matter like that, where you just always have to worry because they'll score from anywhere or it, create an opening for somebody from anywhere. Now, how, how much it changes the geometry yeah, of the what spacing. you do. It's crazy. Like he there's no one it's it's obvious, but there's no one else like him. We've never What's seen really anyone interesting else like him. What's really interesting about him too, Danny, is the thing that people picked up from Steph were like how Steph changed the game. And you're right. Like the, the geometry of the game speaks is completely changed because of Steph. But what I wish the younger players that grew up idolizing Steph Curry it's not the 30-foot shots. It's what we've been talking about. It's his ability to be off the ball and drive a defender crazy because mm-hmm. he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop moving. He doesn't stop trying to find spaces to get the ball and then do damage with it. His cardio is amazing. And watching, like, you can get tired watching a quarter of possessions by Golden State and you're just watching Steph because he's in constant motion. And I I imagine that when you see that you have to defend Steph Curry, it keeps you up at night because you know you're going to run. And it's not as simple, really, 
uh, or relentless in the same way that like Reggie Miller was or Rip Hamilton was in running around screens and around the whole court doing circles and stuff like that. Step is like jab stepping and stepping back three or four different times in different ways. You never know where he's going to stop. And that whole team reacts. The, the whole Warriors offense reacts. When he does, they re-space, which is part of their thing. It's just- and, and he's a better finisher at the basket than, than Reggie Miller was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like crazy. You can Re- jump out on him if you want to, and then he can beat you off the dribble. R- Reggie Miller does not deserve... To be in the team photo with Steph, the guy averaged 18 points a game for his career. Like yeah, it's not some, even it's somewhere. Not, Tony Gill just smiled. It's just, I mean, he he was a good three. He was a great three point shooter in an oh. era when nobody else shot yep. threes. But well, first of all, I brought him up because of the relentlessness of the running. I know just what you're like talking about. Rip Hamilton. No, and, but it, and, and and it happens all the time. I know, but but Reggie as like a playoff scorer. With a, a a dog killer mentality, to quote Dave Kaplan the yes. other day. God, um, I love that. I mean, come on, man. You you, you gotta you gotta recognize that there was a period there where Reggie was one of the three or four best players, three or four best scorers and killers and alphas in the NBA. Dog killer mentality. <laughs> like like he was he was oh, there. Cap. Oh, yeah, that was unfortunate. Oh, oh it's so great. I, I I insist, Lawrence, that there's a there's an unspoken comma between dog and killer. Does he have the dog mentality, the killer mentality? Right, right. But he but went with the dog killer not mentality. Dog killer, dog killer mentality. Right. Dog killer mentality. <laughs> nah, it's a dog killer. I'm mentality. giving him the credit for the unspoken comma. Anybody with me? No, no, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my guy Cap that comma. Man. Right? I'm, I'm not giving that comma. I think he he should have he should have done it with a finger. It was on TV. Should have done it with a finger. But the dog killer mentality. <laughs> first of all, here. I'm not interested in the player if he has that dog killer mentality. I'm on record right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's big of you. Yeah. Coming off. Yeah. If he's anti dog killer mentality. If that's a German Shepherd murderer, I am not interested. Yeah, we're not giving Zach Levine the max. Nope. If he's got a dog killer mentality. Three years. <laughs> yeah. Max- maximum. Yeah. If he wants to kill doodles, though, come on. By all means. Knock all him right. Out. Four years if he wants to knock out <laughs> that's doodles. That's Shane Reardon. Dog killer mentality. Oh, I mean, so seriously. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Dude, we did ten minutes on it the other day, Lawrence, and I honestly didn't feel like it was enough. If, if he's hurting, if he's hurting golden retrievers, like Hub will come out there himself and do damage oh, yeah. to yeah. that man. Hub and David Hall will just grab the pitchforks. <laughs> that, that's an intimidating street. Yeah, gang. you don't want those guys coming. You don't for want you. a Hub and Hall after no. you. Uh, Although David will outrun all of us. It's true. John Morosi at John Morosi at three forty today. Mark Grody at four twenty. Great moment in the White Sox season last night, which we will discuss. Might have got a QB comp out of uh, Matt Eberflus. He for- said something about Justin Fields that was interesting. It maybe, maybe, wow. perhaps. There's debate among the Bears beat, so we will uh, we will play it and discuss it. And then I'm sure he let someone hit him in practice to get tough. <laughs> yes, and we will get more into that story as well. Uh, there's a lot to do today, Lawrence. All right, boys. I'll see you next week. All right, man. Enjoy your time off. That's Thank Lawrence you. Holmes, Chris Tannehill. Everyone's back. Band's back together. His open kicks us off. Park and Spiegel on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.